Welcome to Betting the Bulls, brought to you by Saturday Football. We've got Chris Marler from Saturday Football Uncensored. We've got our sports betting expert, Bob Wankel, from Sports Betting Dime and Crossing Broad. Sports Betting Dime and Crossing Broad are owned by our parent company, XL Media. And we've got myself, Connor O'Gara, from the Saturday Down South podcast. Guys, we have a national championship. It is not the team that Marler is currently repping that he lives and dies with, the Alabama Crimson Tide. It is Michigan and Washington. How, how are we feeling right now heading into the final episode of betting the Bulls? Marlo, let's start with you because I know you're in a perfectly neutral place. Um, I mean, I'm fine. I Honestly, the loss hasn't bothered me nearly as much as Georgia Twitter has uh, somehow laying claim to or staking claim to this being a victory for him. So it's fine. We made the playoff. They went undefeated in the SEC, blah, 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 blah. At some point, you know, Saban will finally get a five-star center or long snapper or both. I don't know. Everything will work out. You sound great and totally over it. Bob, uh, we had an episode without you. You are back. How are we doing? Well, it's nice to be back. And uh, I have to say, I know that before we started recording, you gave me a little bit of a hard time. I got my Super Bowl in 2017 as an Eagles fan. Had some good years here lately. A little rough period right now. I love college football. I do. I don't love it like you guys do. I don't live and breathe it the way that you guys do, but I love college football. And I am so happy that I am a fraud, uh, that I went to a small private university in central New Jersey because I love college football and I consume it every weekend, but I have no true allegiance. So I can sit back and watch a game like the Rose Bowl the other night and take it all in and say, this is as aesthetically pleasing as it gets. It's a fantastic game. The drama was unparalleled and just enjoy it for what it was and also enjoy it as somebody that laid the two points with Michigan and uh, won. So I tell you what, that we should t- we should get right into that part because I felt great going into that game, I will tell you. But it's, since this is betting the Bulls, when I woke up on game day and I told Connor on our last episode, I was like, I fully expect that line to have moved. Vegas was just begging you to take Bama, just begging them. Yeah. And it never moved. And then it moved up in Michigan's favor the day of. Yeah. I just, you know, they always know. They always know. Yeah, to be honest with you, that was kind of what sold me. I didn't, I, I woke up on Monday morning not really knowing which direction I wanted to go. I was considering just like uh, playing both games together, uh, buying some points. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you know, I said, this just doesn't smell right. I said, they are begging you to take Alabama. It was exactly what I said. And I just, I just rolled the dice on it. So. Well, unfortunately, Bob, we did not get you on record saying that. So we're just going to assume that you're just, you know, patting yourself on the back and taking a dub. Yeah, I would have been calling I would have been calling Alabama my five-star lock of the decade. So Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh we almost hit the plus 700 I thought that we had talked about last week on the betting the Bulls playoff preview wherein we talked about having the Michigan money line in the first half and then Bama money line for the game which looked like there was a lot of opportunity for that to happen and it ultimately didn't but we, we, I feel like we still gave out a lot of good info for that. Don't look back on the things that I said about Texas winning that uh, Sugar Bowl or anything related to that. But there was a lot of interesting info. We even almost had the doomsday scenario with Quinn Ewers briefly looking oh, like man. he was going to going down, getting the old six-second concussion test, wherein we thought for a very brief period in time, oh, my God, is Arch Manning about to play in a college football playoff semifinal? That didn't happen. But it would have been really cool to see that. So that's why we talk about these things on Betting the Bulls. We want to be able to help everybody out. We want to be able to make sure that if you are watching this national championship, 
like all of us without a rooting interest because that's the way that it played out. Actually, Marler might be rooting for Michigan to make the Bama loss look better. Honestly, maybe. like I, I was really impressed with Michigan. I, I, I've talked so much trash beforehand just because it's in my nature with, with the, the Big Ten. Couldn't have been more impressed with that team. I, I like, and all the fans were pretty forgiving of, of the things I said. So I, I, I hate to be this person. I hope both teams have fun. Like it's, it's a really, really good matchup that I think that nobody saw coming necessarily, but it's a really good matchup. We hope you all have fun as well. If you are gambling on this, remember you must be 21 years or older to gamble. Please gamble responsibly within your limits. If you need assistance, please call 1-800-522-4700. Guys, today we're, we're talking all natty. That's what we're doing. National championship. We are going to help you bet on it. We got thoughts about spread over unders. Uh, we're going to dig into some of these props, which I think have just come out as of this recording on Wednesday. So those are all still pretty new. Remember, it's probably going to have some changes to these things before game time on Monday night. But this matchup between Michigan and Washington, that just feels straight out of the mid 90s. And that is going to make for a really interesting set of circumstances for both of these teams, knowing what's at stake, knowing that they haven't been on this stage. Uh, the over-under, guys, we're going to get into in a bit, but let's start with the spread. The spread is Michigan minus five as of oh. this recording. That is So initial thoughts on that, Marler? It's my least favorite spread. It's my least favorite spread. Five, five and five and a half is the worst. Um but it it feels about right, but it also feels like one of those things where we talked about it last episode. Man, like like Vegas has not been super high on Washington in any big game they've had, so I, I don't feel like I'm reading too much into this one. Bob, what about you? Is five the the number that you thought it was going to be at, or does that surprise you one way or another? Yeah, I think um, looking ahead, I I know that there were look ahead lines. I would have figured that we would see this at about four. Uh, kind of echo what Chris said it. It's been a recurring theme, it feels like, with this Washington team. There's not a ton of respect. You go back to the Pac-12 championship game, uh, almost a double-digit uh, underdog against Oregon in that game, which in, in hindsight seems absolutely preposterous now. Um, but I think it almost sort of, in a way, echoes the way that I have incorrectly perceived Washington all season. You know, I was the guy that in that Pac-12 championship game, I said, Oregon's going to crush them this mm -hmm. time. They're going to get their revenge. And, you know, patting myself on the back earlier with Michigan, uh, I know I wasn't on the last episode. I would have taken Texas. I, I would have supported that play. I just keep waiting for this Washington team to kind of show itself to not be what they continue to continue to be, you know? And uh, so I guess in that way, uh, I'm sort of aligned with the odds makers. I expected them to be a little bit more, uh, you know, over a field goal underdog in this game. So five feels a little bit high, but not that high to me. Both of these teams are going to make you feel really dumb because they're a pair of 14 and 0 teams, right? Mm -hmm. If you've bet these teams money line all year, congrats. Uh, maybe you've made yourself a good bit of money by, by doing that probably more so on the Washington side than the Michigan side, because obviously Michigan has been favored in every single game that it has played in this year. But to your point, yes, Washington has not played in a game decided by more than 10 points in September 23rd. So there's this water finding its level type thing that people are going to think about. Michigan, quietly, after blowing out everyone, has won games by single digits in four of the last five. So they've shown that they can play in these close games as yeah. well. But we have reached this point where if you're on the wrong side 
of either a money line bet or a spread bet in this game, you're just going to feel dumb. That's that's reality. So if you're going at this, just saying to yourself, I just don't want to feel dumb. I, I think that's way easier said than done. Washington has obviously won 21 straight. Michigan 27-1 since the start of last season. And I picked against them in the semifinal, so I already feel really dumb. I, I think that makes this bet a really tough one if you're looking at it from that standpoint. And it doesn't really make you feel too confident one way or the other unless you're just all in on a team and you're saying, well, it's just Michigan's year. Screw it. It's Michigan's year. I'm not going to mess around with this. I'm just going to go Michigan money line and, and hope for the best. Is is that maybe the, the most obvious play if you're looking at this through the lens of, hey, they just got through Alabama. They should be in good shape to win this game. I'll let Chris take this because I, I will just preface this conversation by saying I've been in a spot in the past where there's a team that I just don't value the way that, that other people do. And I might whiff on them. You know, I'll lose. I'll bet against them and I lose. And I'll bet against them again and I'll lose. And I, I always say to myself, I will be there the day that they fall. I will finally be there. And uh, there have been instances where I'm just, that day never comes. And they just continue to win and win and win. And so I kind of come into this predisposed to say, like, I'm waiting for that fall of Washington. Uh, it might not come, though. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about it. I mean, yeah, I think for me, you mentioned that too, like, like um, a few minutes ago and you said like, you know, like waiting for them to reveal who they are. I think, I think this is who they are. I, I think we just have, I, I don't, I, I did it last week. I did it like the, the last time we've like previewed their, uh, the back to championship game on the podcast and, and give them like all these kudos like, oh man, they're being slept on all year and they keep getting overlooked. By the way, they're going to lose to Oregon. By the way, they're going to lose to Texas. And like, you know, it, they have been an incredible story. Kalen DeBoer, wherever he goes, he's, he's a winner, right? Um, but yeah, the five points is it, just for me, I'm either buying that down or buying a point because just from a, a, a superstitions like standpoint, I don't want to take that. But there's a lot of intriguing first half, first quarter, um, score first and, and prop bets like that. And I think there'll be a lot of people that if they are on the Michigan side, they're just going to go money line. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. they don't want to mess around with that spread. Uh, it, and obviously, from the Washington standpoint, it would make sense to be like, oh, Washington money line. No, no, no. Take, take the five. Take take whatever that number is going to be. I don't see this as a scenario where, as we forecasted, it could be Michigan having that line move, which it didn't move against Bama. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know what could make it move drastically. Maybe if we had 100% confirmation on Dylan Johnson, that could slightly change the line a little bit. Although we'll get to that. I have something that I want to get to uh, with Dylan Johnson, the Washington running back who went down late in that game that I want to get to later. But it looks like as of now, he is going to play. Um, But that could be something related to props. Um, Can we talk about this over under at 55 and a half? It's it's really interesting. It's really interesting. And here's why. If you like Michigan. You probably love that under. That's just you close your eyes and you can see that under hitting twelve of fourteen Michigan, twelve of fourteen of Michigan's game have gone under that number. The last time a total in a Michigan game went over fifty five and a half was like against, ironically enough, Indiana back in mid October. And I say ironically enough because if you like Michigan killer Michael Penix Jr., who led IU to a blowout win against the Joe Milton led Michigan in twenty twenty. Uh, that was the program's first win 
in that matchup since 1987. Nobody cares about that. Then you probably love that over. Mm-hmm. So there is potential parlay uh, opportunities there. But if you like, you look at this and you say, okay, well, well, that's maybe not that egregious because Washington, they've only gone above that over a 55 and a half, eight of a possible 14 times this year. Not crazy, but in their six matchups against ranked teams, that total hit over in five of those matchups. So when they play these quality teams, they score a lot of points. These are high scoring type games. So where, where do you guys land on that? And is it tied to how you also feel about these teams money line? I mean, again, so this is going to be like a broken record, but like I would attack the, the early things that like the strength of each, each team. So one of the things that Michigan has been fantastic at all year is is being dominant in the first and third quarter. So the first quarter, especially, um, I mean, you think about Washington's offense and how prolific they've been and, and how they jump on people early. And then, like, you know, I think they were a top five scoring offense in the first half of games this year. Their their line right now, their total uh, team total for the first quarter is three and a half. Like Michigan's defense is legit. And this is I don't think that you're going to see a situation where they are not going to be prepared. That was the thing I was most impressed with for Michigan against Alabama was they seemed so much more prepared and, and like, like they were a step ahead of, of a really good coaching staff the entire game. Yeah. I mean, I think that you're right on with the idea of there being a little bit of a correlation in game style and who ultimately wins the game. The thing that I kind of keep coming back to, and as I look at this game and I I'm trying to work my head around how I really feel about it. And to be honest with you, I, I, I come into this and I, I know I'm supposed to be on here as the one giving advice and having some emphatic take, but I find myself struggling with this game a little bit. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, ultimately, I come back to, and I, I was very impressed with the way that Michigan played. I thought that they controlled at different points, especially early on the line of scrimmage. And I go like, okay, great. Are they going to be able to bully Washington up front and kind of do what they want to do and sort of dictate the pace of play? But what does that even mean for them? Like, because they aren't explosive. They aren't a team that that really creates a ton of margin. And so I, I expect it to be a tighter game, but they do have weapons. And so it's like, will it kind of take more of that shootout feel? Or is it going to be, you know, punch, counter punch in the trenches, Blake Corum, 25 carries, mulching clock? not letting Washington play the type of game stylistically that it did against Oregon in some of those big games against uh, Texas, the way that it did the other night. I almost feel like Michigan's emphasis is going to be a little bit more ball control. And that's not to Mm -hmm. diminish what they can do offensively, but I feel like Michigan does not want to play this game into the high twenties or certainly into the thirties. It just, I feel like stylistically for Michigan, that is not their best path to success. Now, whether or not they're going to be able to do that, I don't know. But I, I tend to, as I size this up, think that we're going to get a game in the lower 20s or in the mid-20s. Like that's, that's where I sort of feel like this thing is headed. And if you're live betting that, too, that's, that's a tricky thing to try and figure out. If Washington comes out and they're throwing the ball over the place and we're reminded that Michigan has only faced two top 50 passing offenses all year – you've probably lost the opportunity to get that value wherever it's going to be. If you're talking about that total, if you're talking about, you know, taking Washington money line, something like that, it's probably not going to necessarily be there, but it it does feel like a game where, gosh, if you told betters, Hey, I'll let you make all your bets after the first quarter of this one, it would drastically change things. If this is a game that gets into the mud 
one would think that favors Michigan, of course. But imposing your will against that Michigan front, as Alabama showed us, is much easier said than done. And yeah. playing that style. Well, um, real quick, ahead, Connor, too. You also, you also have to wonder, like, I think that it's going. We're going to game fifteen. Both of these teams obviously know who they are. They have their identity, and and like one thing about Michigan too, and they are comfortable with in whatever fight they're going to be in. Like if, it, if it's a slow paced and we're going to run the football, you saw the, the second half of Penn State. Like they can do that. They, they came out. I expected them just to pound the football against Bama, and you saw a lot more. You know, play action, like like putting people in motion, confusing the defense. I think they're comfortable either way. I, I will also say that I think that that Washington, like they have they have better athletes to receive than Alabama did. I don't. I mean, maybe, maybe I know you know Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr. was playing for Ohio State and he he got his yards that that day. But I feel like this is going to be the biggest test they're facing from from like the skill position and Washington. Like if you if they decide to try to push him around, they do have the Joe Moore Award like winner on the offensive line. Well, and what's ironic is that you you look at you look at the Michigan Ohio State game and in terms of the spread and the total, the outcome of that game is essentially what odds makers are saying this game is going to look like. Right. You had thirty to twenty four Michigan over Ohio State. I mean, it's basically the total. It's basically the spread. So you know, the question is, does this game look like that, mm-hmm. or does it look like a, a rock fight where you know? they're able to limit what Washington's able to do on the perimeter. They're able to slow down their air game. They're able to run the ball 30, 35 times. Like it, it really just comes down to, and I, again, I think that Michigan's preference is to play that, that type of game in this one. I think that that's what they want. Um, again, though, as much as I, I want to say that's where this is headed. Every time I think that there's going to be a team that slows this down, it just doesn't happen. Right. It, by that logic, the odds makers are saying that Kyle McCord and Michael Penix will look the same. And right. you could point to certain games, Arizona State being one of them, where they didn't have an offensive touchdown. I don't believe in that game mm-hmm. that was 15 to seven and say, well, it's not like they've put up 42 every single week. I mean, Washington has had these slower offensive games. There was a lot of debate about the health of Michael Penix Jr. Mm -hmm. and about how that played a part in what they were doing and the reason why they were playing in all of these close games. Now, they've still played in some of these close games, but I I do wonder how much his health could be playing a part in the product that we saw against Texas where we're like, this dude is not limited. He's not limited whatsoever. There's there's questions about like the long-term durability, the ACL tears, all those different things. But as it relates to the short term in this game, I don't know that you could really bank on it, but if you're just a believer in this Michigan defense and that you're a believer that they're going to do things that are just going to frustrate you, you saw the lack of separation for those Alabama receivers. How much of that is route running? How much of that is scheme? It's tough to try and figure that out and what that looks like, but it does feel like it's a team that is so different, drastically different than anything that Michigan has seen this year it's about those adjustments. It's about how Michigan is going to be able to handle that with Jesse Minner, former Vanderbilt defensive coordinator. Yes, Vanderbilt defensive coordinator. Jesse Minter is. People forget that. Um, guys, there's an interesting wrinkle to this game that I wonder if it could tip the scales for a potential Michael Penix Jr. prop, at least in terms of a TD prop, because even though he has those high numbers against ranked foes, he only had more than three touchdowns once in That's those wild. six matches. Yeah, kind of crazy. If you think about, you look at the you look at the box score, you would assume, oh well, Penix has had 
a ton of touchdowns in those games. Uh, it actually has not been the case. He had more than three touchdowns in that first matchup against Oregon, has been held to three or less in the five matchups against ranked foes since then. Dylan Johnson brought it up before. He goes down with what looks like a devastating injury late in the Sugar Bowl when people are like, why isn't Washington running out the clock? What in the world are they doing? At the time, we assumed, but I don't want to say everyone assumed, but I looked at that and the way that he walked off the field, I thought that guy's not playing. And that stinks because the Mississippi State transfer, he has 14 rushing touchdowns this year. They really rely on him a lot in the red zone, especially. He is their workhorse back. But as of this recording, the expectation, according to that Washington coaching staff, is that he is going to be a go for Monday night. Now, that foot injury looked bad. So just Mm -hmm. because he's a go does not mean that he's going to be at 100%. What's worth noting is that they have not shown trust in their other running backs. Johnson had 222 carries this season. No other running back on that Washington roster had 50. Their top two backs behind him, neither had 200 rushing yards, neither had multiple rushing touchdowns. I don't know that you're digging into the Johnson props just because there are a lot of unknowns with that. What if he comes out and looks awesome? What if he comes out and and gets his ankle rolled up early? Like You just don't know. But go ask Bama. Yeah. No matter how much talent you have, no matter how much size you have on that offensive line, that Michigan interior defensive line with Mason Graham is special. So that brings us back to Penix, and it could push you in one direction with those props. I think he throws a ton in this football game. I don't think there's any question about it. I think he throws it a lot, just like he did against Texas when they clearly wanted to avoid the strength of that Longhorns defense with Sweat, mm-hmm. with Murphy. Up front. Could that mean that instead of running the ball in those go-to-go spots, it's a more pass-heavy approach and you could see that Penix TD total hit. Or if you really want to take a home run hack at this and just say, hey, let's just swing for the fences. Let's hit something that's crazy plus money. I don't even know what this number is yet, but I'm assuming this is high. Jeremy Bernard, he is a receiver that they liked using in the ground game, but he's not one of those three dudes that you're going to talk about with those Washington receivers. Unlike those back, backup Washington running backs, Bernard has two rushing scores this year. And they've given him 13 carries this season. So if Johnson isn't at full go, maybe do they go to him? Alabama was having success getting to the edges in the ground game. When? The one time they did it? (laughs) They they were doing it early in the second half, I felt like. They were definitely doing it early in the second half. But is there there something there that that stands out to you guys that that could push you in one direction? If you want to just say, hey, I just want an anytime touchdown prop to hit that could be kind of fun or something like that. Or maybe it's something related to Penix. Hey, sports fans, we've got an exciting offer exclusively for new users of ESPN Bet. When you join, be sure to enter the promo code SOUTH during sign-up to unlock an additional $50 in your betting account. That's right. You can wager on your favorite sports and receive up to $250 in bonus bets when you use the promo code SOUTH. Please remember, you must be 21 years old to participate in sports betting. We encourage responsible gambling within your means. If you ever need assistance or support, please reach out to 1-800-522-4700. Join the action today and make the most of this fantastic offer. So, I mean, I was going to say, like, like the, the numbers on Penix, like going into the season especially, he was hovering around like three and a half passing touchdowns every game, which is, I, I think I, I probably bet on it the first three, four weeks. Cause I just assumed like, this is going to be, they have everyone returning that like they're going to put up so many points. They are going to be a really, really good offense. And it's going to run through him. Cause again, 
like this is one of the the few offenses in the country that like it's not an air raid, but they throw the ball so much more than they run the ball in comparison to most teams, right? Like it was over sixty percent a year ago. Um, his passing touchdown total right now is one and a half. Now the odds suck. It's it's minus two hundred, so it's like not the best value there. Um, but I yeah, that feels like maybe if you want to put it into like a like a, a parlay as well with like Washington possibly either covering or being the game winner. That would create a lot of value, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, listen, I think that there's a couple different ways that you can go about this. As far as it uh, as Penix goes, um, you look at the the yardage, right? And it's 291. 291 and a half is where I'm seeing it right now. He comes off of a game where he goes 400 plus. And I think mm-hmm. that a lot of people are like, I, I can't get this contrarian DNA out of me. He He's great. He's phenomenal in the semifinal. You see him throw for over 400 yards. You see him light it up. And then you sit there and say, well, 291, he should be able to get 300. He's mm-hmm. going to be able to throw for 300 yards with these receivers. And then you you talk about Johnson and, hey, he, they might not even be able to rely on him. They're about to go to the air even more. I just kind of have like a not so fast instinct and say like, wait a minute. You know, it's a national game. He's arguably one of the more recognizable. I mean, he is one of the most recognizable players in it. People want to take the overs. They want to bet on the stars of the game. That's where the money's going to go. I It just almost like getting away from the touchdown thing. I think that you can have a mediocre game and eclipse one and a half touchdowns, right. which is why it's used the way it is. But then I look at the yardage and go like, man, like this feels like bait. Like it, it's, it feels like bait to me. And I, I just... I start to look at all the props and I Mm -hmm. start to look at all the markets. And this is like where the skepticism comes in. And I think like, man, like they can probably get the 55. They can probably eclipse that total. But then you dig in and you go like, man, are we getting set up for, are we getting set up here? And like, that's what I keep coming back to. It's just that lack of, I have a lack of confidence as I approach this game. I really do. I, I will also say too, if you look at like, like that was one of the things I think with the Alabama game, Milrow caught a lot of flag and a lot of heat and he did not have a great game, but then you start looking at the numbers. This like, like the defensive numbers that Michigan has put up this year. And you could say that they haven't played anybody and like the offices haven't been the same or or whatever. But I mean, there's over 20 different statistical categories. They rank in the top five nationally in. And, you know, like, like for, from a betting standpoint, like there's only been two games out of 14 they played all year where, where they've had an opponent throw for more than 200 yards. So 291, even though this is the bread and butter of that offense, I like I would say that, like you said, you could play a bad game and get over one and a half touchdown passes, especially if the running back is hurt or or comes out. Um, I, that that does feel like a lot more value. Um, I'll tell you another one too, and I brought this up last week. First score being a field goal, always plus money between like two, two fifty, sometimes three. Um, against Michigan, Michigan has the fewest red zone touchdowns allowed and the fewest trips to the red zone of any team in the country. So, you know, early in the game, trying to feel each other out, like maybe you see a situation where even though Washington's been good on script, they, they have to settle for a field goal. against a really good defense. The, the, probably the downside of that bet is watching Michigan attempt to kick a field goal in that Rose bowl. (laughs) I don't know if I want to take that first time score being a field goal. I don't know, man, that was, Oh gosh. Uh, I don't know if there's anything really there from the Michigan special teams that that you can try and bank on. I would think maybe those things will be cleaned up, but you know what? Nepotism has led us to Jay Harbaugh as the special teams coach. So we really probably shouldn't dig into that and assume anything is going to be corrected there. Uh, do we know the Blake Corum total TDs prop for this one? Uh, I think it's just a half, right? It, it's, it should be 
if it's just a half, okay, think about this. His last game without multiple touchdowns was, and, and I'm talking just total touchdowns. Right. I'm not talking rushing touchdowns. Yeah. But his last game without multiple touchdowns was October 21st against Michigan State. He's been awesome down the stretch. If this game is going to be remotely close, and, and I'm talking like within 14, okay? So this right. doesn't have to be some back and forth game. They are going to trust him so much. It's yeah. hard to imagine that he will be lacking opportunities near the goal line if this game is close. Washington is 86 in the country in yards per rush allowed, and they've allowed 21 rushing scores in the year, which is 78th. So they haven't exactly been stout in those areas. And it's not a group that allows a lot of explosive plays in the ground game, but they do a lot uh, allow a ton of explosives in the passing game. So potentially like long passing play, Blake Corum inside the 10, boom, Michigan walks it in, touchdown. Those, those can be the types of drives that they can have. Washington's 120th in the country in FBS and pass plays of 20 yards allowed. And only three power five teams have allowed more 30 yard pass plays than Washington. They can be had there. I was surprised Washington was as successful as they were in frustrating Quinn Ewers in that game, because we know that Texas has those great receivers on the outside and Texas has better receivers Mm -hmm. probably than Michigan does, but it, it also can come down to scheme and what that looks like on this stage. I don't think we see the Michigan offense totally reinvent itself and they're not all of a sudden going to start throwing it 35 times. It's not who they are, but could we see Michigan take some more chances downfield than we saw against the really good secondaries that they faced down the stretch, including Ohio state, including Iowa. I, I definitely think that could happen. Maybe that leads us to like a Roman Wilson over on his receiving yards, which I'm going to assume those are somewhere in like the sixties for Roman Wilson. Um, let me pull it up real quick here. I will also say you bring up like the, the, the passing game with JJ McCarthy. I, I was very adamant about the stat. I mean, like you know, numbers don't lie. He had one touchdown pass in the last five games of the year. Yep. He came out and I thought it was a very, very telling move from Jim Harbaugh that they were putting the ball in his hands and they were not scared to do that. He, he's got, there might not be a coach in the country that has more faith in, in his own quarterback than Jim Harbaugh. Well, um, Connor Stallings was there. That the is sideline. So, um, yeah, salt in the wound on that one. But no, I, I think that uh, McCarthy, his passing touchdowns, by the way, are over one and a half. It's plus money. Um, going to the receivers here. Roman Wilson, I see 48 and a half. half. Yeah. Ooh. That's, yeah. I'm not saying he's going to get that in one play, but they've had just those busts on the back end when they've been allowing those points. And I, maybe there's a lot of people that are, looking at a certain video on Twitter that may or may not have had like 25,000 likes of a certain Washington defensive back swatting that final pass away from A.D. Mitchell that I clipped. Um, Most popular tweet ever, no big deal. Um, (laughs) And they're looking at that and they're like, man, this Washington secondary is unbelievable. I'm going to take the under on that. In reality, if you look at the the bigger picture and you look at what they've been throughout most of the season, they they have actually struggled and there could be opportunities there. I'm going to I'm going to actually flip this over a little bit, right? So, uh talking about the guys, the the big time players, the names in this. And so how do you watch the Alabama game and not want to talk about Blake Corum, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's going to start and stop with him, everything that runs through him with Michigan. So this is really interesting. Uh, his total right now, his rushing total is set at 105 and a half yards. It's a lot. And it's coming off of a really hard-fought 83-yard game. Uh, big plays. He has the game winner. 
And so people are going to be looking at that and saying like, okay, his volume is going to be there. Like if you look at the, the carry distribution from the, the semifinal, he had 19 carries, I believe, to Donovan Edwards four. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's going to take the bulk of carries here. He's probably going to touch the ball over 20 times. But what's interesting about this is he only eclipsed 105 yards rushing once this season, and it came against Penn State. And the only other time he even eclipsed 100 yards was against, I believe, Bowling Green back in, like, game three of the season. Right. So, like, he has not – his track record, his game log does not suggest that he's poised to go over 100. But when you look at the volume that he should probably get, you don't have to worry about a split. Like, Texas the other night, I believe uh, it was split 9-9. Nine and nine. Um, between Baxter and Blue. Right. And they went for, yeah, 18 total carries, each had nine, 123 combined. Like, is that just, is that just Quorum's stat line transferred over, basically? Like, it, it, so how do you guys view what, what he's going to do in this game? Well, so one thing I thought was really interesting because the game started on that first drive. They got him going in the ground game with that misdirection toss. They got him in the in the passing game for the first touchdown, and, and they got him on um, on Deontay Lawson, a linebacker, and he waltzed in the end zone. And then it ended with him, you know, like having a great final drive, and in the and obviously back to back runs for twenty five yards in, in overtime. From the start of the of, of the third quarter until that four minute drive, Michigan had six carries for negative two yards, mm-hmm. and that's not a maybe that's not the same defense they're going to be facing in Washington versus Alabama. But it's, I think it's interesting, like that. What you said, the only time he was been, he's been over 105 yards was that Penn State game. And remember, that's the game where they just refused. They threw the ball eight times, so he got he got fed the rock like a bunch in that one. I don't, I don't know what his numbers would be. You're right about the, like the the distribution. Like it's, he's going to be 80, 90 percent of, of their sole carries. But like what Connor said too is like this is a very smart coaching staff that has done like you know they they are. I feel like I said very prepared. If if they can take advantage of a secondary, they will because those receivers are good enough to do it. Yeah, I think that's playing it's a in, part. Yeah, it's it's interesting too. I mean, like if you look at his his rushing totals over the last uh, thirteen games here, he stayed under his total, his rushing total nine times. Um, if you figure he gets twenty carries, he's going to need five yards per carry to do it. He's only done that twice this season. Right. He's only averaged better than five yards twice. So it's really tough. I mean, you look at Washington, we're talking about their vulnerability in the pass game, but it's not like they're super stout up front either. They allowed 4.4 yards per carry this year. That was 82nd in the country. So we're not talking about an elite run defense here either. So it's just a matter of, hey, you know that he's going to have the volume. You know he's going to have the opportunity. Can he rip off a a couple chunk, chunk carries? Or do you think that he just kind of plays to what his entire season's been, where this number is insane, it's completely inflated because he's a notable player coming off of a high-impact game against Alabama, and people are blindly going to open up their apps and say, well, yeah, I mean, Michigan's going to – it's like what I said at the start of this this show, right? Like, they're going to want to win dirty. They're going to want to win ugly. They're going to give the ball to him 25 times. He's going to hit it. It really is an interesting number. I tend to think that this number is overinflated. It's not to say that he won't have yeah. a good game. He won't be impactful. I, I mean, but that's a hell of an ass, 105. It was 78 I, against Bama. I would be more interested in that's, – and that's why I think the touchdown prop is more interesting because mm-hmm. if you're closing your eyes and picturing Michigan winning a national championship, Ugh. don't we think Blake Horm's going to make a big player too? Don't we think that's going to be the guy – that, that's going to, to have some sort of say in those key moments. And I know there's recency bias because we just saw him do it 
against Bama. And he was just so good, obviously, in overtime. And Michigan had that block perfectly. But there is that that part where you're like, man, I just, I just don't want to overthink it. Like, let me let me just get in on that. And maybe that's the better play than, than the yardage. And that's probably where there's maybe a little bit more value. And it's not so much just about, oh, I need to – I need to sweat this out. I've got to do like, I hope he gets those 20, 25 carries in this one. It's, it's tough. It's a tricky thing to, to try and figure out because you think good player just want to take over on props. Good player will obviously <laughs> produce on this stage because yeah. he just produced on this stage, but it's not as easy as that. And there are probably different spots that you want to hit on. Marlo, you look like you want to say something about that. Yeah. So the, the, the touchdown prop is, is not listed interestingly enough. And, and like, mm. With the running back, there's only so so high the number could go for for a touchdown prop bet. But my goodness, man, he scored like 46 in the past two years combined. Like like he's like a touchdown machine. So I think that if it's oh if it's like just a half, like Bob, correct me if I'm wrong here. Like, do you think they would bump it up to one and a half? Because like that's I I don't. I think it, right. it's probably over under one half. Yeah. Then 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 that seems like the lock of the century. It's like. If it's one though, what it, if it's one and you're getting good plus money? Yeah. If it's one and it's like, hey, plus, I, I'll throw it out like plus three hundred or something mm-hmm. to, to hit the over on on one Blake Corum touchdown. Just anytime touchdown can yeah. be receiving, as we saw, I got into the end zone via the passing game against Bama. Like even that, I think is really really interesting with with how good and how heavily he's been relied on this year. Yeah. Guys, is there is there anything that that stands out in terms of game flow that we talk about? We try and uh, live betting is is big in games like this. People want to be able to take in this action, and even if they don't want to do a ton of prep by listening to shows like this, they should listen to shows like this. But let's say that they don't. Let's say they just want to go based off vibes. They want to be able to have some action, and they want to see things how how things play out. They've got a lot of questions about these teams. They don't feel like they have a great lean overall on two teams that are 14 and 0 that have both kind of embodied the team of destiny vibes whatever you want to call them is there a live betting suggestion that stands out is there a frisky play of hey this team first half money line that team you know full game money line like is is there something that that stands out some advice that you would give to those who are looking for some action on that i, I like what you said about quorum like the value on him getting plus two like like touchdowns um, I, I think there's, there's some value in that just, just because again, from the sheer volume of, of um, of, of, of how many he's had, the other one would be this, this is like dangerous. I feel like a little bit and I, and I, and I could be getting ahead of my skis, but if you, if you are on the Washington side, right. And if you're looking for something that is going to be like a much bigger payday for, for what you're, what you're looking for, like winning margin. As you said, like they haven't won a game by more than double digits since September 23rd. So if you want to take, you know, Washington to win by one to six points, it's plus 425. You want to take them to win by seven to 12, plus 750. And that's also something too, Connor, that like I took advantage of that the last two years in, in the national championship game where I felt like a Georgia team that is going to play you for 60 straight minutes. I know they're not in this game, but the alternate line for Georgia-Bama. Like if you can find an alternate line for for maybe if you're on Michigan side, I think that might be a good play as well because a lot of times in these games we see, you know, like it, like it doesn't come down to like the very last play, but something happens where like it, the number gets a little bit inflated and in, from where like how close the game might have been throughout the throughout the sixty minutes. 
Yeah, I'm a big uh, believer that I think that the, I mean, I really do. I feel this is one thing I do feel pretty strongly about. I think that the first half of this game is going to be pretty revealing. I think mm-hmm. that if Washington is going to win this game, I think that they're going to win the game in the first half. They're going to come out and be able to do the things that they want to do offensively. Michigan's going to struggle to find its footing. You're going to see that disjointed offensive aerial attack from Michigan. It's misfiring. McCarthy looks skittish. So, like, to me, it's like, Let's let's shorten this thing up. And, you know, I would do and there's a couple different ways you could do this. Like you could just take Washington plus three and a half in the first half and kind of bank on the fact that Michigan's not going to come out firing. Um, And then you can kind of reassess at halftime what you want to do. You could do the halftime full time bet where like if you're really looking for a bigger payout on Washington, take them to win the first half and correlate it with actually winning the national title. I think that that's one way that you could do it as well. But, you know, you're, you guys are talking about it, and I just picked this uh, picked this up while you guys were discussing it. And, you know, you look at Corum, you say, like, you can't envision Michigan winning this game without him having that type of game. And you can do two plus touchdowns for him for plus 110 uh, is, the, is the number there. It's expensive. And, like, to me, again, if you're looking for signals from odds makers, like, that that's pretty damn telling. Like, yeah. they expect – it's almost like they expect. 102 touchdowns from this guy yeah. in this game. Well, so how about this too? Like this is this is kind of interesting where you, you look at like the the way these numbers are put together. And if if, if it's it's a like last week we talked about Washington and, and Texas, it was a four and a half point spread and it was 64 when when we recorded. So you're talking about a 34 to 30 game, right? That's what Vegas is telling us. The line for the first half of this game, and Michigan has been tremendous in the first half of games this year. The line for the first half is Michigan minus three. You want to get a little bit frisky over here and take a, a first half winning margin of one to three, which is where Vegas has set the line. It's plus 1000. You want to do it for four to six for them to cover it? Plus 1000. Uh-huh. That I feel like it, it, like if you're just, if you're having fun and you want to throw down like five, $10 and something like that, that could end up being a big payday. I, I, I like that as well. Can't wait to lose money on it. <laughs> yeah, I've been looking a lot at the uh, game totals here in the first half as well, and there's some pretty good stuff here that that kind of supports a play on the over, both in the first quarter and first half. Uh, have it here. Michigan has hit the first quarter game total over in eight of their last 11 games. Washington, uh, I'm sorry, and they've done it seven out of their last 10 in the first half. Uh, Washington uh, total uh, first half over in eight of their last 12. So both of these teams – have played higher total games mm-hmm. uh, in the first quarter and first half this season. Uh, it is a strong number, though. I mean, like, if you look at it, you see 55, 55 and a half for the game. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of 28s and 28 and halves in the first half for this one. So, uh, you know, it, it's a thing that you kind of have to hold your breath a little bit. That's that's a lot of points, yeah. uh, especially for a Michigan team that we don't feel great about offensively. Um, but the numbers would suggest that, that both teams have been pretty strong early on in games offensively this year. It'd be really interesting to see what Vegas does if Washington goes into the break with a lead, something yeah. that Michigan has not stared at all year. They have never trailed at halftime, but in the Bama game, they did answer the question of could they pull off a late comeback? A, a team that hadn't trailed later than 11 minutes left in the second quarter Good finally man. was able to, to have that spot. And obviously we saw what played out down the stretch. So how much would that impact if Vegas did look at that and say, well, Washington's up three at half. Do I want to go Michigan money line and, and get some action there? A team that has shown more resilience than I certainly was giving them credit for uh, at this time last week when we were talking about 
uh, these semifinal matchups. Guys, score predictions. Let, let, let's get them from from both of you. I feel like I, I have an idea where where you guys are heading, but Bob, let's let, let's start with you. Do you have a score prediction for Michigan Michigan Washington on Monday night? Yeah, um, I'm I'm going to. Uh, this pains me to do this, but I I am finally actually going to get on board with Washington uh, and and take them against the spread. Okay, uh, but I think that this is a situation where a lot of people are going to be miserable on Tuesday morning yeah. because I think I think what's going to happen here is we're going to get a thirty to twenty eight Michigan win, so a win and non cover. So um, I, I have a feeling that that's that's where we're heading. I, I think that the Washington better is going to cover. I don't think that the Michigan better is going to cover. I think we're going to be miserable for three and a half, four hours watching this thing unfold, uh, and I think that both. The uh, the spread, uh, the winner, or I should say all of the above, the spread winner and game total are probably not decided until the final two minutes of the game. I think that's what we're getting. Good luck scoring 28 points on that defense, by the way. I mean, for Michigan. Like they, they don't, I don't think they've given up over 24 all year at a game. Um, if there's an offense that can do it, it's Washington. I, I think either one of these teams, that both of them deserve to be here. They're two really, really, really good teams. Um I'm going to do what I've done, I think, and what I keep telling y'all that people are doing to, to Washington all year is, is, you know, kind of dismiss them and, and not discount how good they are, but just assume at some point that they are not going to be able to physically match up with a team that is just built, I think, for, for the long haul, and, and they have been able to win in so many different ways this year. I It feels like it's Michigan's year. I, I don't – It just the way that they're playing, they've been on a mission all year. They have been. They did the whole Georgia thing where they were able to gaslight themselves into believing that they were somehow the victim of this, like, massive underdog story that they're writing for themselves. It's been a great job from, from Harbaugh and the staff, like, to, to the way they've had this season um, unravel or unfold. I like Michigan to win. I think they cover because I just feel like it's going to be something late where – I, we just haven't seen the offense since since the start of this season consistently put up points on this defense. So I have a hard time believing that Washington's going to come out and just be, you know, firing on all cylinders against a defense that's this solid. What are the odds that we see Washington do just that? And it's all of a sudden back and forth, and Michigan looks like it's playing a different sport. Yeah. And I'm I'm thinking to myself watching this that it's it's rocky. On, you know, in his corner, and he's sitting there, and he's got a trainer. He's he's yelling in his ear. See, he is a man. <laughs> he bleeds. He's cut. <laughs> and Rocky's the, the just sitting I, there. The thing I keep coming back to, like the last two years, DeBoer, like they're five and zero oh straight up as an underdog. Like not against the spread, but five and zero oh straight up outright as an his, underdog. His record Three and oh is it's like something on a video game. He's like one hundred and forty and eleven. Like, I mean, he's, he's <laughs> won at every level. It it does it doesn't I don't feel like we're like I'm I'm picking Michigan because of like any cliche reason right like like just because it's Michigan and they they beat Bama last week or they did this and that like I think Washington's a really good team. Here's a nightmare scenario for you if you're a Michigan fan. I wonder what the live bet would look like. This what if Washington comes out scores on the first drive? God forbid Michigan has to return a kick or or something that's kicked up in the air and they fumble it. Washington goes up fourteen nothing. We haven't had, we haven't seen Michigan's offense have to go up tempo and and like get out of their own comfort zone with the run game. I 
I have a hard time seeing somebody impose their will on Michigan. Just I punt do. to him. Just that's all you got to do. You just punt to him <laughs> on first, second, and third down. Just make him hold an extra point. That's yeah. it. That's it. It's simple as that. Uh, look, I, I, I am, I am going to do the thing that, that that Herbie always tries to go against on College Game Day, where he's like, "Oh, well, now I have to pick the opposite team. Otherwise, you guys are all going to look like idiots." Um, no, I, I am also going to say that Michigan wins, but I think Washington gets a backdoor cover. I do. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a 28-24 game wherein Michigan is in control. I think Michigan keeps them at an arm's length, and it's frustrating for Washington. I, I think they get frustrated by the fact that this passing game, that uh, even in the closing moments in these games when they haven't looked great, they've always just been able to kind of find a way. I think the health of Dylan Johnson is a, is something that that needs to be talked about, and if he's not going to be there to get their tough yardage like he did in that Oregon rematch, I, I think that that's significant for this Washington offense, the way that they want to operate, even all the depth that they have at receiver. But I'll say that Washington is like in one of these spots where they're down 11 and it's, it's late and you're know, like Michigan's already getting ready to pop the champagne. There's two minutes left or something. And then Washington gets that touchdown to be able to cover that spread. And it's an onside <laughs> kick that ultimately comes up short. And we don't have an, an ending as weird as we did in the sugar bowl. My God, how many bad? <laughs> they recovered the, they recovered the onside kick and I was like, I'm just going to bed. I'm so tired of today. I miss all of it. Miss every bit of it. <laughs> Rule number one of gambling. Do not do, do not go to bed until that ticket is cashed. At do all. not do it. Uh, yeah, I mean I, I I can validate that. I think uh, in my lifetime, the uh fifty times I've checked the score uh in the middle of the night when I, I look at my cell phone at three AM, I, I don't think I've ever won a bet going, Ah, great. Yes, I can go back to bed now. Wonderful. You're not going to sleep well. Just no. stay up late. And this game, this game's not going to be starting at nine o'clock or nine fifteen. Whenever that game starts, this game is starting at seven thirty on Monday night. Uh, I, I can't wait for it. Despite the fact that this is a prediction that not a lot, whole lot of people had in, in the preseason, I think we're going to be in for a really, really good game. Uh, hopefully, everybody uh, is able to to win some money. Again, a reminder: you must be twenty one years old to gamble. Please gamble responsibly. And within your limits, if you need assistance, please call 1-800-522-4700. Guys, I think that's going to do it. That's that's betting the Bulls 2023-2024. Same time next year. Does that work yeah, for everybody? Sounds good. <laughs> what else are we going to do? <laughs> exactly. Good point. Thanks, guys. Hey, sports fans. We've got an exciting offer exclusively for new users of ESPN Bet. When you join, be sure to enter the promo code SOUTH during sign-up to unlock an additional $50 in your betting account. That's right. You can wager on your favorite sports and receive up to $250 in bonus bets when you use the promo code SOUTH. Please remember, you must be 21 years old to participate in sports betting. We encourage responsible gambling within your means. If you ever need assistance or support, please reach out to one 800 522 Join the action today and make the most of this fantastic offer.